It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And uh, this is Dennis Bernstein with Greg Pallast. We do the Election Crimes Bulletin every week. Uh, we try and track the latest electoral crimes happening uh, in the continental United States and around the world. Uh, we are focusing on what's been going on uh, in Russia, elections and all that kind of stuff, Ukraine. Uh, Greg Pallast, welcome back to Flashpoints. Good to have you back. Uh, glad to be with you. Um, if you expect me to be articulate like Cory Booker, you'll have to get him. We absolutely do, but okay. we, we know you're going to give it your your best. Let, let's um, let's excuse me. Let's start with um, uh, Venezuela. Uh, we, uh -huh. we were just talking about uh, the impact that the U.S. embargo had on Venezuela. Perhaps over hundred thousand people have died, at least, as a result of U.S. policy. But now they want a different relationship, or maybe, or you, or maybe. Yes, well, okay, here's uh, just the facts, ma'am. Venezuela has the largest reserves of oil in the on the planet. If you look at OPEC, they put Saudi Arabia as number two. Um, Venezuela's producing very little oil, not even enough for its own needs at this moment, when it was producing 3.2 million barrels of oil a day, 2 million barrels a day for export. Now, think about this. According, if we unleash Venezuela, well, then Putin's profit from the invasion evaporates. Let's not forget, for all the sanctions, Dennis, uh, yes, uh, oligarchs can't buy tickets to see Hamilton. But I don't think that that's uh, going to have much effect on the tanks rolling. However, Putin is earning roughly, from my calculation, a billion dollars a day windfall from the sales of oil and gas at prices which uh, today hit about $118 a barrel of natural gas going up on an equal amount. And you see it at the pump here in California. It's hitting in some places 7 bucks a gallon. Now, I should mention, so Venezuela is the way to stop the tanks. It's that simple. It's a, it comes back down to oil. But let me get it. I don't want to editorialize. I just want to give you facts now. Chevron Corporation... Chevron uh, is it does operate or it has refineries and and, and, uh, and operations in Venezuela. They say that within three months, they could bring eight hundred thousand barrels a day of oil to the U.S. All they need is Biden to lift the Trump embargo. Now remember, this deadly embargo was imposed by Donald Trump. Now, how did Biden decide that Donald Trump's foreign policy is brilliant in Venezuela? I don't know. I've been unable. I've actually tried to get some answers. Like, why are we continuing with Trump's policies, which right now are basically enriching Vlad Putin through keeping two million barrels of oil a day off the market? But Chevron says three months, eight 100,000 barrels a day, which, by the way, equals the amount of oil that we, uh, at maximum, that we get from Russia. So Venezuela can completely replace it. And they're, they are begging, believe it or not, Chevron Corporation, who we have, in, I've investigated to a fairly well in Venezuela, in Ecuador, around the planet, in Kazakhstan, in Azerbaijan, 
these are pretty bad actors, but, you know, they'll make a buck if they can. And they are willing to say, look, let us get this oil from Venezuela. Keep in mind, Venezuela has invaded no one, attacked no one, and they've got a president who's elected. Maybe maybe we don't love him or uh, our State Department does not love the uh, elected president, Nicolas Maduro. So we could get not only 800,000 barrels a day, but let's not forget something else. While Biden is, is preening that uh, he got uh, Europe to um, cancel the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, it wasn't an operation anyway. But they're still taking natural gas from Nord Stream 1, 1.9 trillion cubic feet a year. Now, here's what's interesting and important non-coincidence. That 1.9 trillion cubic feet a year, which Russia provides through Nord Stream 1, can be replaced 100% by Venezuela, which is capable, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, is capable of over 2 trillion cubic feet of gas production a year for export. They have exactly and slightly more that they could send uh, as LNG to Europe to completely 100% replace Nord Stream 1. But we're not doing it. And here's why. Why isn't Biden eliminating this crazy restriction on an ally in, 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 uh, in the Americas, Venezuela? Because there's objections from two de- uh, powerful Democrats. One is Bob Menendez, uh, the uh, senator from New Jersey, or sometimes called the senator from uh, Cuba, from Cuban immigration, <laughs> uh, the, the right-wing Cubans. Bob Menendez, who you know, was uh, the only sitting senator who's ever had a unanimous 100 senators uh, censure him for corruption. He was running a protection racket for a doctor who who skimmed $73 million from Medicare and was kicking back a ton of it back to Bob Menendez. And he was indicted. The jury deadlocked, and they have not brought the case back to trial. But the Senate, every member of both parties, and Bernie Sanders. You can't stand uh, him. (laughs) Well, it's not whether we can stand him. He's the guy who's blocking. He is blocking... Basically, he's working for Putin. You know, we're talking about stopping uh, these oligarchs who support Putin. Well, what about Senator Menendez uh, and also the other on the House side, the blockade? And uh, by the way, Menendez is technically a Democrat. Another technical Democrat is is uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz from Florida, who's also blocking the uh, attempt of the U.S. State Department, we've actually sent down emissaries to, to meet who've met with Maduro, the president, and uh, Wasserman Schultz, who, as you know, when we, we're talking about the election crimes bulletin here, uh, one of our investigations uncovered that Wasserman Schultz was deeply involved in an illegal scheme to move Democratic National Committee money to the Hillary Clinton campaign. It was massive, and it's illegal. It is political parties are not allowed to collect money on behalf of candidates uh, which exceed the limits allowed to those candidates. It's just it's it's a felony violation of the law. This is the woman who says that she's she and Menendez are saying that they object to taking oil from Venezuela because they want to protect democracy. And let me just tick off if when we're talking about protecting democracy, they would rather get their oil and gas 
and have Europe get oil and gas from those democracies, Saudi Arabia, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Emirates. Um, you know, th- these are these yeah. so-called democracies that they're more than happy to get from, including, by the way, their, I guess their idea of democracy is, um, is Russia. Because, again, you could replace 100% of Russia's gas going into Europe with Venezuelan natural gas. And, of course, all of the oil uh, that came from Russia into uh, the U.S. and other nations. It, it is interesting that this deal is also being opposed by Bill McKibben, who's uh, coming in through the environmental door. He's well, I, I understand it's yeah. kind of an unsophisticated, you know, uh, I'm not going to knock Bill McKibben. He's, he's been a great voice for warning us about climate change. But this is about right now our choice is not between wind-powered cars and um, Venezuelan oil. It's between Vlad Putin's oil and gas and an elected government from Venezuela providing that oil and gas. So th- those are the choices, Bill. And I appreciate your concerns, and I agree with you. We've got to, we have to, and we, if, if you, the Ukraine invasion doesn't show you that we've got to get off the oil fix, I don't know what does, but right at this moment, in three months, we can get rid of Putin's oil coming into the U.S., and we can eliminate 100% of the gas. And, uh, you know, there's real questions about why... Uh, I want to know, and I'm not getting clear answer from Menendez and Claire Wasserman Schultz, but uh, don't forget the massive amount of, of right-wing Venezuelan money going into her campaign. Talk a little bit about uh, the kind of um, interference. You're talking about uh, Debbie Wasserman and all those other folks. But what about, what does, um, Coke is in there now. He's yes. resisting the boycott. And uh, he, you know, Coke actually brought us a very unholy connection between uh, Clinton's and Putin, right? Yes. Now, in the last election crimes bulletin of last week, we discussed how um, a couple of things. One, that uh, Charles Koch is absolutely refusing to shutter his operations in Russia and and has also said that he will in no way support politically or financially the blockade of the uh, Russian economy, any embargo, uh, any punishment of Russia. And... We discussed how, you know, because Coke Industries, which pulls in at least $120 billion in sales a year, it's a private company, we don't know exactly. A year. Um, <laughs> is cranking it, because Coke oil and Coke gas, of course, are are, are now, uh, the, the funds are, uh, the money is pouring in from this invasion, which has raised the price of oil through the roof. So Coke has done and is doing extremely well with this. But how, how does... How do we get into this position? We also talked about how Putin was chosen in this weird kind of contest to find the Russian Pinochet, where they literally had a TV show. They brought the dictator Pinochet on the air while he was under indictment for murder in Chile. They put him on the air in Russia to say, this is the kind of guy we need. What should we be looking for in a leader? And he described a guy who looked exactly like Vlad Putin, who was a minor official apparatchik. And um, basically, the uh, oligarchs, uh, especially Boris Berezovsky, told Boris Yeltsin that he would be reelected. That is, the election would be stolen for him with the approval of the Clinton administration. 
but he had to pick a running mate who would be a Russian Pinochet. So understand that the Clinton administration was actually behind the stolen election which put Putin in power as first as prime minister, and then when he leveled Chechnya, he was elected president and replaced Yeltsin. So understand that the Clintons were behind us. Now, how do we get the Clintons? Again, we're talking the election crimes bulletin. Why do we keep going back to this? Because when you corrode and corrupt democracy, it has consequences. And sometimes I have to explain to people in the United States of amnesia that there's some history behind this. How did we get Clinton? I remember getting a call from a guy, Bill Clinton, when he was attorney general of Arkansas, and I said, I'm not going to go work for some guy in dog patch. Where does this guy from Nowheresville, Arkansas, become president? His, the horse he rode into town on was called the Democratic Leadership Council, the DLC, which he formed with a guy named Al Gore. Now, this group was intent on eliminating the New Deal Roosevelt faction of the Democratic Party, ending, becoming anti-regulation, the deregulation force, the anti-social welfare force um, within the Democratic Party. You know, Clinton, uh, uh, Gore headed a whole deregulation panel, etc. But how did the DLC start it? The answer is, hold on to your hats, a $100,000 donation from the Kochs established the Democratic Leadership Council, according to really one of the greatest uh, investigative reporters we've ever had, the great Bob Perry. Who we thank Bob for that, that. that. Yeah, Bob Perry the, the uncovered that $100,000 from the Kochs started this right-wing uh, faction, which... And of course, and l- let's just say, Greg, they the got their they got their they got their money's worth for a hundred thou. Yeah, and they that got Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Don't forget, they got the whole ball of wax. They got the Menendez. All these guys who are now haunting us and preventing us from breaking the back of Putin's machine were put there by Coke money. You have to go back to it. Now, obviously, Coke didn't imagine what would happen. You know. 25 years hence. That's not the point. There's not some grand conspiracy here. His whole point was that he was trying to move the Democratic Party. If he couldn't beat the Democratic Party, putting money behind uh, uh, Republicans. And don't, and don't forget, he would not, he said he was considering voting for Hillary Clinton for president. He didn't give money to Trump, uh, Charles Koch. So you have to go back to this issue where they were backing, where the Kochs were trying to seize the Democratic Party and change it from a progressive party, a New Deal party, into a deregulation, basically kind of a Republican light. Now, just so the Republicans wouldn't get upset, he also, the Kochs, uh, Koch Industries, gave $100,000 to Bob Dole to even it out, who was running against Clinton, late, would later run against Clinton. And, uh, however... This was a check from Coke Industries, which before Citizens United was a felony crime. So Bob Dole had to give back the money to the Cokes. But by the way, this felony crime, no one was ever prosecuted for it, just so you know. So understand the poison of money going back from the Cokes and the consequences that we roll through today. And of course, Coke Industries is also uh, big behind the, um, the attempts to overthrow the Venezuelan government. And they are, they're definitely deeply engaged now in Russia, correct? And they're, uh, they're it's a, it's a point blank refusal. They're not, uh, they're, they're yes, not I mean, just, we will leave. not, we, we will not, uh, shut down our operations unless ordered to by, you know, by court. 
And we absolutely, and I say we, meaning the Coke Industries and Charles Coke has said, I absolutely will oppose any sanctions on Russia for this invasion. It's sort of an unbelievable story because really uh, what you're telling us is uh, essentially Coke bought Clinton and Clinton uh, gave the world Putin through Yeltsin. Is that, yes. Is that yes. Now, whether <laughs> I don't know if Coke could have planned the chess game that brilliantly, uh, but it worked out quite well for him, didn't it? And uh, it didn't work out very well for the Ukrainians or Americans or Venezuelans. And, you know, when we talk, by the way, it's interesting that Chevron, of course, because, look, uh, they, you know, these companies don't have politics. They just have profits and bottom lines. So Chevron, ironically, is saying, let us produce our 800,000 barrels a day from Venezuela. But there's other Chevron news that's important. While we had a very heartfelt and weepy congratulations to Joe Biden for picking uh, Judge Jackson for the Supreme Court, what was not noticed, Dennis, is that at the same time, Biden, for reasons, well, I, I, again, I can't get a clear answer from the administration. Joe Biden appointed a lawyer, I'm trying to remember her, I'm losing her first name, Reardon, who was the lawyer who literally prosecuted Stephen Donziger. That is, she's the lawyer for Chevron who prosecuted Stephen Donziger in a the first corporate prosecution that led to Stephen Donziger's imprisonment. Now, that's the human rights lawyer. That's the human rights lawyer who... Um, uh, it's, her name's Jennifer Reardon, sorry. Uh, that's the human... But Donziger's the human rights lawyer who was defending the indigenous people of Ecuador against poisoning, sickening death by Chevron's operation in the rainforest in Ecuador, and Chevron, which faced a $7 billion judgment, Reardon was their lawyer. She, ref she said Chevron is not going to pay the 7 to $9 billion owed the indigenous people of Ecuador. Rather, they came up with this cockamamie case saying that Donziger was refusing to turn over his private information on his clients, and they sent him to jail, a, a, a right-wing federal judge, had Reardon, Jennifer Reardon, prosecute, actually in a federal courtroom in New York, prosecute Donziger, and he was sentenced to six months in prison. Now, I should say, and so Biden just appointed her to the federal bench as a federal judge in New York. It's absolutely astonishing. And in addition, Reardon was appointed, not originally by Biden, but by Donald Trump. And even the Republicans were squeamish about putting Reardon on the federal bench. So even Donald Trump tried to appoint this corporate stooge to the federal bench, and the Senate wasn't buying it. But now Joe Biden runs to her rescue and resurrects the appointment of a Trump right-wing judge appointee. I mean, I have no explanation for this. I, 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 my, I just, uh, I can't get an explanation except that to say that here's Stephen Donziger's statement that Reardon, quote, was paid millions to help jail me, attack indigenous peoples, and cover up a massive oil spill in the Amazon.
That's who Biden has appointed to the federal bench. And we can get all kinds of wonderful, weepy speeches by Cory Booker, but I'd like to know how he feels about Jennifer <laughs> Rudin being appointed. <laughs> Basically, Chevron, Chevron gets, a, gets its own judge. Uh, nobody gets a free pass on this show. The show is Flashpoints. This segment is Election Crimes Bulletin. Greg, before, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh-huh. And how about a preview? I mean, the battle for the vote. Uh, is continuing here in the United States, in Georgia. There are many battles to fight on that front, and we're going to be coming back on that strong. But um, the Republicans and the right-wingers, they are not letting up, and this is not looking good for the future of the vote in this country. That would be correct. What I'm very concerned about, we are now investigating a few things. I'll give you a bit of a preview without giving it all away. But I'm very concerned and we'll do a special report on this, I'm heading off to Georgia, that there is a program called ERIC, E-R-I-C, Electronic uh, Registration Information Center Program, to which was originally set up, are you ready for this? It was set up by the Brennan Center and the Pew Charitable Trust to help states register voters. Sounds like a great idea who've moved into the state. So if they, they look for people who've moved into, say, Georgia, and they say, and, and this also goes for um, uh, Florida, Texas, et cetera, who've just joined this system this year. And, and they're supposed to get a welcome to our state. Would you like to register to vote? That's a very progressive and good idea. But now GOP secretaries of state in Georgia, Wisconsin, and Florida, Arizona, and Texas are now inverting the system where they say, oh, here's information that someone's moved into our, has moved, so we're going to challenge their vote, their right to vote. Now, they tried this in Wisconsin in 2000, and I did an investigation working with Black Voters Matter Fund. This ERIC system, originally, again, it was started by the Brennan Center, but they were pushed aside, the GOP secretaries of state took control. And in Wisconsin, the GOP Secretary of State Board of Elections was ready to remove 135,000 voters. I was working actually with the Washington Post. We mapped it. Almost every one of those voters that were going to be eliminated, Dennis, almost every one was either a African-American in Milwaukee or a student in Madison, Wisconsin. In other words, voters of color, the color being blue. 135,000 voters. Uh, we did an analysis of that list. And look, whatever their color, if, if these are illegal voters, if these are people who don't actually live in Milwaukee and voting there, whatever their color, or students in Madison who don't really live there, well, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. In fact, they should be arrested if they try to vote. I was suspicious, Dennis, because here's a felony crime of voting illegally. No one was arrested. So working with experts... Uh, the experts that work, you know, with Amazon, by the way, and others uh, on identifying where you live. Amazon always knows where you live. They said all these people live at their legal voting address. They live at their legal voting address. And I spoke to them. I met them. Students, African-Americans in Milwaukee. And we were able to write a report for Black Voters Matter Fund. That is the Palace Investigative Fund, my team. Remember, when you hear Greg Palace give these election crimes reports. Uh, This is a result of a whole team of experts and investigators working. And uh, we issued a report to the state on behalf of Black Voters Matter. 
And believe it or not, because that board is nonpartisan, the election board there, unlike most states, which have partisan secretaries of state, they had a nonpartisan board. And they looked at our information and said, well, this list is all phony. We're not going to remove these people from the voter rolls. We don't care if the Wisconsin legislature has said you've got to remove these voters. The answer is, yeah, but it's a phony list and we're not going to accept it. This is a bipartisan panel. The result, by the way, Dennis is that Joe Biden won Wisconsin by 10,000 votes. If those 135,000 voters had been blocked as these GOP operatives wanted, Biden would have lost Wisconsin. But here's the danger. So you say, okay, skip the bullet. You know, it's not whether I'm for or against Biden. It's just that I thought the voters of Wisconsin ought to, you know, be allowed to make their choice. The problem is that this year, the state of Georgia state of Texas, uh, state of Florida, state of Pennsylvania, which is a swing state uh, for the Senate right now. Those states have, and Arizona, another swing state, those states have just joined this purge system. And their hit lists are exceeding half a million voters. And And these lists are no less phony and no less biased racially biased, age biased than the list that we busted in Wisconsin. So we're going to be going it's tough work. We're going to go through each of these lists. We're going to work with uh, the teams from Black Voters Matter and get to the bottom of this. But it's an end. So in other words you stamp it out in one state and it spreads to five others. Right. And the Democrats are asleep. They're still asleep. They're not really... Don't count a Democratic um, Party to save your vote. You save your vote. We do our work. That's, it's better to have our nonpartisan groups and not rely on right. Bob Menendez, you know, uh, who doesn't have time to protect your vote because he's stuffing his pockets with stolen Medicare money and beating up Venezuelans or Claire Wasserman Schultz, who was, you know, head of the Democrat... It's Debbie, it's Debbie you know, yeah. she was head of the Democratic Party, understand. Yeah. Okay, so you're not going to get, uh, you know, I have to tell you, I get no support, or rarely do I hear even a positive word from the Democratic Party. When we go after this issue of vote suppression, we have people like uh, Congressman here, Adam Schiff, uh, suppose a Democrat who says things like, anyone who says that American elections have been rigged or stolen is undermining democracy. Yeah. Well, you know, um, for a for a white congressman to say that that uh, someone like Stacey Abrams, a black woman, who says that the election was stolen from her, that Stacey Abrams has undermined democracy. This is a, the Democratic Party is going to have to figure out which side it's on. But in the meantime, that's why I stay away from political parties of any type and we just do our investigative work and report exactly. it and that's the way we like it and we're out of time Greg Palast gregpalast.com election crimes bulletin we do it every week Greg thank you stay safe we'll talk to you next week thank you Dennis and uh, guess what my name is Dennis Bernstein the show is Flashpoints and we're out of here <laughs> <laughs>